If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 13. Today, we will conclude what has been our focused look, a series into some of the one another passages in the New Testament. So far, we've talked about being members of one another, being like-minded towards one another, receiving or accepting one another, serving one another. Last week, uh, we talked about forgiving one another. So with today being Valentine's Day, it really wasn't a big stretch for me to figure out which of the one another passages we would look at. It seemed fitting that we'll conclude this series with the command the Lord gave us to love one another. John chapter 13, I'll begin reading in verse number 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. I don't think I'll be dem- it would be me demonstrating any great ability to be profound by saying everyone likes to be loved. One of the most precious commodities that anyone can have is that of being loved. It's one of the greatest gifts we can either give or receive and one of the most intimate feelings or emotions that we can share. In the other passages we've discussed, this is the only one that is a direct command from the Lord. The others were commands from the Lord, but through mostly the Apostle Paul. So one might say that one of the most important teachings we have is this one. To love one another. Earlier in the Gospels, Jesus made it clear that this concept of us loving one another was one of the weightier matters of the law. And Jesus also said that loving God and loving your neighbor are the two greatest commandments. But we also have the Apostle Paul stating the Lord's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which was so beautifully sung by our worship team just moments ago. Though I speak with the tongue of, tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Those are interesting comments that the Apostle Paul makes to the churches in Corinth. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, though I have the gift of prophecy, though I have the a faith to move mountains, though I give to help the poor, though I give my life to be sacrificed. But then verse 3 says, but have not love, having all those other things, profits me nothing. 
17 of the 58 one another statements in the New Testament have the phrase in them, one uh, love one another. A third easily can be seen that none of the other one another commands that were given by Scripture will matter unless we as God's people get a clear handle on the love one another command. And I'd like to break up the passage from the Gospel of John into two parts that apply directly to our lives. First, Jesus in those verses gave us something to obey. Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. Now, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he had taught his disciples back in uh, the Gospel of Mark, we see that we're to love God with all of our being, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Then he says we're to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's also in the Gospel of Mark chapter 12. And earlier in the Gospel of Matthew, he gives us a command that it's easy to say, but can be difficult to put into practice. We're told to love our enemies. But here, Jesus is telling his disciples. He is telling his people. He is telling those who are following him, love one another. Why was this needed, given all the other love, and love commands that he gave? Well, let's look at the social life of that time of God's people at this very moment were not in a very loving atmosphere. Politically, they weren't loving their enemies, the Romans. They were the occupying force. Socially, the Jewish people, their neighbors were considered essentially the Samaritans, and we have a parable about that, which explains what that relationship was like. And religiously, there was a division within that time among people who were following either the Pharisees or the Sadducees or different rabbis. People were also divided over various practices, such as how much effort should I, um, how much effort was I allowed to give to get my oxen that fell into a ditch out of a ditch if you fell into the ditch on the Sabbath? I know all of you are thinking about that right now. (laughs) Or how many steps could I walk before it was considered work on the Sabbath? Simply, there wasn't a whole lot of loving going on at this time. And Jesus knew that his church was about to be birthed. And we needed to come to grips and get this call back to basics. Because if God's people can't love one another, then we aren't going to be able to love him, love our enemies, love uh, other people from other countries, and definitely not going to be able to love our enemies. Jesus is basically saying this is Christianity 101. And this command to the disciples about their fellowship with each other put this at the forefront. They were commanded to love one another. And we are commanded as God's people to love one another. That's the first thing I wanted to point out as far as applying to our lives. The second is that Jesus gives us a pattern to follow. As with so many of the other one another statements, 
The example of what the command means, of how the command should be framed, of the context for the command that we are to love one another in the end of verse 34 is, as I have loved you. Now, the Greek adverb there for as just simply translates in the same manner. Basically, our Lord is saying in the same manner, in the same way, you have seen me love you. We're to love one another. He's saying, I have shown you love. I have demonstrated love for you. Now show that same love to each other. So when we look at the love of Jesus, which is the central context here, I want to even further subdivide that into three things that all of us should be able to embrace, that all of God's people need to come together on as what is true about the love of Jesus. First, his love is undeniable. People can debate his miracles. Over time, they've debated his divinity. They've debated whether or not he was the greatest or not, or whether John was the greatest, or or John was the greatest. But no one can debate that Jesus loved people. His love was undeniable. Jesus loves us. He wept at the tomb of Lazarus, and the comment from those standing there was, look at how much love he had for his friend. He loved the rich young ruler and could see him as he was coming and in the questions that he asked. His teaching, his miracles were all a demonstration of his love. Jesus loved people, and he still loves people today. Isn't that how we'd like people to see us that we have a genuine love for people first peter chapter 1 verse 22 reads since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren love one another fervently with a pure heart to love like jesus We need to extend and express love to one another in ways that make our love undeniable. Jesus loves you. That is undeniable. We need to love one another in ways that are also undeniable. Biblical love is not just the things we feel, but it's the actions in which we engage. Now, why do I say that? Because... When you go back to the beginning of the verse in verse 34, Jesus said, a new commandment I give you. And how many know you can't command someone to feel something? Let me try it. I'm going to give you a command right now. I command you to be sad right now. (laughs) Didn't work, did it? That didn't work. I command you to be delirious right now. That didn't work either. (laughs) Human beings aren't constructed that way. It's why we're encouraged not to live by what we feel. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. 1 John chapter 3, verse 19, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. So loving undeniably will involve concrete noticeable actions that show his great love channeling through you and I to one another. His love is undeniable. His love 
is unselfish. Let's be honest. Too often, our love is self-centered. A lady wrote this note to a boyfriend she had broken up with a couple of weeks earlier. Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I've felt since breaking our engagement. Please say you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart. So please forgive me. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. Congratulations on winning the state lottery. (laughs) Yeah. Unselfish love. That was not. Jesus' teaching about love and giving is to do so without expecting anything in return. To give without blowing a horn or drawing attention to the fact that we're doing what Jesus commands us to do. Didn't he say to not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing? And if we needed an example of unselfish love, we have once again Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verses I know you all know in verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Made himself of no reputation. He lowered himself. He decreased himself so that you and I could come into his kingdom and become children of God. He lowered himself. Jesus' love is undeniable. It is unselfish. And it is unconditional. Admittedly, this may be the most challenging way for us to imitate the Lord. For so often do our affections or even our acts of love come with the conditional If people tend to love with conditions, we see it all the time. We will assess worthiness before extending love and maintain the assessment of worthiness throughout the relationship. And even if one pledges love to another, then we assess if certain boundaries or lines have been crossed. Now, I'm not trying to be insensitive. I do not advocate anyone staying in a situation that is abusive or physically dangerous. But the need to create distance on a temporary basis is one thing. We're still commanded to love like Jesus loved. And he loved unconditionally. Remember, our model is this unconditional love. You know the verse. Anyone who's ever watched a football game knows the verse. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world, and he did something. And we know also Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, that in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And while we were still in our most reprehensible state, while the label enemy of heaven was the most true of each one of us, Jesus died for us as a demonstration of his love 
toward us. Now, why would he issue this new commandment? Just so that we could enjoy one another? Well, that's part of it. But in verse 35 of John's gospel, he gives us a truly compelling reason. Because by this, the world will know you are my disciples. And it's one thing we want the Lord to know that we're his. And we want to be able to share with one another and demonstrate to one another that we're his. But he's giving this new commandment so that the world can know that we are his, that we are his disciples. Now, yes, we should love God and we should love our neighbors and we should love our enemies. But as one of the greatest witnessing tools that the church has ever have had and ever will have. It's to love one another. And it seems at times from a human perspective, almost counterintuitive. We would think the greatest way to witness to the world is to love them. And that's part of it. We need to show love and show kindness and show things like and 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 demonstrate that love to them. But Jesus is saying the way in which the world will know your mind is that they'll look from afar. They'll observe the church interacting together with one another and say, I want to be part of that. I want some of that. That's why we should love one another. It's no shock to any of us that our world has taken this concept and just turned it inside out. What passes for love today is just incredible. We're not going to deviate from how Jesus presented love. How Jesus presented being that to one another, taking his great love and demonstrating it to one another. And where was that greatest demonstration? On the cross. On the cross. He came to love people. Bless you. He came to teach them a better way. He came to provide a path for them. And he was betrayed. And he was deserted. And he was beaten. And he was tortured. And he was unfairly accused. And he was taken to the cross. Where his first act on that cross was to ask his father to forgive us church that's love that's love and while we may spend the rest of our days aspiring to that kind of action it's a goal worth reaching out for isn't it for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life There is some debate on the actual origin of St. Valentine's Day. They know it goes back to St. Valentine, but unfortunately there are three different people within Roman Catholic tradition who are called St. Valentine. Um, So it's tough to nail down (laughs) who are we talking about. The most agreed upon was a man called Valentine in the 3rd century, And he got that name because in the third century, the emperor of Rome at that point, Claudius II, 
He believed that single men made better soldiers than married men. So he banned marriage for any man under a certain age. And what Valentine did was behind the emperor's back, he would perform these marriages for young lovers. And then the emperor found out and he was murdered. He was executed. He was murdered too. <laughs> but he, he was executed. He was willing to demonstrate something. It's a wonderful story. And it might be the cause of what we have today as Valentine's Day. But you know what? As wonderful a story it is, and as wonderful a Christian man as Valentine might have been, we don't have a lot of other information about him. I like the Jesus story better. That for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. With all due respect to St. Valentine, I'll stick with Jesus as my model for loving one another. Hallelujah. We're going to sing.